0: We have three short passages of Scripture from the New Testament to read this afternoon, first from Matthew's Gospel, and second from Romans, and then a few words from Galatians. First, turning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, we read the verses 17 through 19. Matthew 20 verse 17 through verse 19 now Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them behold we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death And deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Then we turn to Romans chapter 3, Romans 3, reading verses 21 through 26. whom God sent forth, set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And then to chapter 5. We read verse 8 and 9. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And then to bring it to a conclusion, we turn to Galatians 3 reading verse 13 and 14 Galatians 3 verse 13 14 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So far we read from God's Holy Word, and this in connection with Lord's Day 15. Please turn to Lord's Day 15 on page 529, the back of our books of praise, considering questions 37, 8, and 9 this afternoon lords day 15 what do you confess when you say that he suffered during all the time he lived on earth but especially at the end Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race thus by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us the grace of God righteousness and life why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge though innocent Christ was condemned by an earthly judge and so freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way well yes Thereby I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me, for a crucified one was cursed by God. This too part of our reformed confessions by which we live and uh, understand God's word more clearly. congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ it must have been very often on the mind of the Lord Jesus what the prophets had written about him that he would be the man of sorrows acquainted with grief that he would be the one that would bear our iniquities that he would be the one afflicted and smitten of God we have to remember that Jesus Christ growing up grew up just like we did as young children and him too, being a young lad began to understand and to read the scriptures as far as he was able to, to learn from his parents and so forth, learning from the Old Testament. And there, it must have really struck him that he was finding words about his own very self, that he would be the one who would would be responsible to obtain the salvation of his people, and that he'd have to do that in accordance with his Father's holy will to fulfill his purposes that he, Jesus himself, would have to be the one to, to fulfill all righteousness for himself first, but then also secondly for his people and be that suffering servant of Jehovah as Isaiah wrote about him. Brothers and sisters, can, can you imagine this, that you know you must go to the cross and there to suffer and to die. That was on the mind of the Lord Jesus already long before he began his earthly ministry we can assume he was created he he, he was made flesh in order that he would be the servant of Jehovah and he began to prophesy about that in the Gospels for example in Matthew 20 verse 18 There Jesus teaches, he says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Jesus was prophesying about the very work that he was going to have to do to suffer and to die for sinners like us. And so our theme this afternoon, Christ suffered the wrath of God for us it came down to the crunch and this is what it was to suffer for us the wrath of God so that we should be saved of all of our sins we see in the first place congregation the nature and the extent of his suffering and then secondly the beneficial effect of his suffering first its nature and its effect And so we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, question 37. What do you confess when you say that he suffered? During all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Our Lord knew this was coming at him, so to speak, already In the time that he was alive upon the earth before the cross, he was beginning to suffer what would be the wrath of God. There in our answer congregation, we have the word wrath. Wrath is a biblical word. It's a very necessary word to know. Wrath simply refers to the righteous indignation of God against human sin. Jesus in his body and in his soul bore the wrath of God against our sins. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 speaks of that. Paul says, much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. It doesn't there describe the wrath of God. It simply states it as a fact, as a reality. Jesus Christ will save us from wrath through him, or sorry, the Father will save us from wrath through him, through Christ his Son. In order for Jesus to save us from the eternal wrath of God, which already is upon unbelievers, John 3 verse 36 tells us, Christ had to suffer that wrath for himself. The substitution of Christ for sinners therefore exposed him to the wrath of God the wrath of God against sinners. The Catechism says that during all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. This was the nature, and this was the extent of Christ's suffering, enduring divine fury or infinite indignation as the just response of God Toward human sin. And so the nature of Christ's suffering was much more than suffering the rejection and the mockery of men and so forth. It was much more than the pain he suffered when the nails were driven through his hands and feet and so on. It was this that he began to suffer the infinite wrath of God against his own in his own soul. He had to suffer the condemnation that rightly was upon us. It it involved having to suffer everything that we would have to suffer had we been consigned and sent to hell and stayed there. He bore that condemnation to, to relieve us from that condemnation, both in his body and soul. One writer explains, yet the wrath of God was not against our Lord personally because he was without sin, but against the sinners whom he represented. In his flesh and within his soul, he suffered the infinite severe anger of God uh, condemning him. And it was in particular the anguish of soul that he suffered Already he, he began to feel it, extremely so in Gethsemane, when he began to shed those drops of blood pouring out of his forehead. But on the cross he felt its full fury and infinite uh, 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 severity. Another writer pictures, pictures it this way, he says, it was if when the bolts of divine indignation were launched against sinners, our Lord put himself before them and sheltered them with his own person and receiving them on his own body and soul. We could say it plainly, Jesus stood in harm's way to save us, not merely from harm, but the severe justice of God of which we deserved eternal condemnation, eternal punishment. He stood in the way he absorbed what we were to receive. And that's what the word propitiation means. It means to stand in the way of that divine wrath that is coming down, to suffer that wrath, to endure and sustain that wrath in order to keep us entirely away from it, as if it passes us by and lands full square upon His only begotten Son. That was the nature of Christ's suffering. It's what Paul further teaches us in Romans 3, verse 25, where it describes Jesus as one whom God sent forth as a propitiation. A very important word, as a propitiation. How? By his blood. Through faith, we receive that propitiation. Through faith. You receive the propitiatory work of Christ, Paul says, by his blood. The implication is when he says by his blood, it means he was crucified on that cross of the tree. His blood was all shed out. And thus, that propitiation could take place. And indeed it happened. And therefore, we gain His righteousness, chapter or verse 25 goes on to say. Immediately thereafter, another commentator calls Christ's righteousness, Christ's propitiation, the wrath removing sacrifice. The wrath removing sacrifice. That is what I needed you as well in the second half of the answer to question 37 it calls it the atoning sacrifice just notice that slight change in in the description of Jesus suffering it says thus by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation Now that word atone simply means to cover over or to to put away that which is there. The only way that sin could be put away was by Jesus taking on himself the punishing wrath of God that we deserve. And in this way, God's justice against us was satisfied, although not truly against us, but against his beloved son. And so, for atonement to take place, it requires propitiation. One word's a little deeper in its meaning than the, than the other. And, and this is what article, uh, question 38 of the Catechism also speaks of, of Jesus, suffer, Jesus suffering the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us but it gets deflected away, if you will. We are shielded from it, and that's what propitiation is. And in the process, we obtain atonement, the covering over of our sin that otherwise would have been so exposed to receive only the wrath of God. That is what took place on the cross for your salvation and for mine. God's justice absolutely required to be satisfied. Absolutely so. This was the nature of Jesus Christ's suffering. He simply had to be judged. He simply had to be. He simply had to be condemned with our condemnation if we were not to be condemned. And that is what happened on the cross of Calvary. Question 38 of the Catechism reinforces this whole doctrine all the more concerning Pontius Pilate. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? Though innocent, Christ was condemned by an earthly judge and so he freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us, you see. That's where it was supposed to go if God had not been merciful to save us and to make propitiation a reality for us. He had to be judged and condemned. And that is what question 38 uh, speaks of. There it mentions the name of the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. He was a Roman governor in Palestine in those years. He was the highest authority in the land. He was authorized to legally administer the death penalty for he had been ordained by God and appointed to administer justice after the principles we find in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Pilate was one of those persons appointed by God as a minister of his to administer justice. And Pilate unknowingly past judgment that was ordained by God in history and when that judgment was made it was for the record it stood as an act in history that did take place we would say God required as much that a wooden cross be the means for our salvation he so also required an earthly judge to administer that which had to be administered God works for earthly means to accomplish his salvation And so Pilate passed judgment on Jesus Christ on behalf of God, so to speak. And though Jesus was innocent of all sin, he was innocent of all crimes, three times Pilate had said, I find no no crime in this man. He has done nothing wrong. Yet persuaded by the Jews, he passed judgment on Jesus on account of the fact that the Jews already had passed judgment on Jesus, condemning him for blasphemy because he, was, he said he was the Son of God. And Pilate went through with that sentencing of Jesus Christ unto death. They needed Pilate to bring about the death penalty. And so, so Pilate was used of the Jews, but also of God. By this event, congregation, God passed severe judgment on Jesus through his appointed means of an earthly judge in order that Jesus Christ would bear the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race and that includes all of you and all God's people through the ages. Though innocent, he was condemned by God because our sins were laid upon him and those sins had to be paid for through his wrath that he received from God. And so, to sum up, what was the nature and the extent of Jesus' suffering? Yes, it was the cruel injustice. It was the vicious hatred and the mockery and the violence of wicked men. On the one hand, that he began to experience through the course of his life. And it only got worse the closer he got to the cross, though he was a sinner. But on the other hand, Jesus' suffering involved so much more. Question 39 goes on to speak of what that so much more really was. It asks, does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? Yes, thereby I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me, for a crucified one was cursed by God. God had put his curse upon not only the creation after Genesis chapter 3, when they listened to the serpent, but they themselves, man, was cursed And so if we were to be saved, the curse would have to be taken off of us somehow and placed upon the one who God would choose to save us from it. It could only have been His only begotten Son. And so Jesus had to be cursed with God's curse-bearing wrath, which lay upon us. Hence, Jesus had to die by crucifixion. He could not have been put to death in any other way but this way. Why? Well, Galatians 3 says it very clearly, giving us the answer. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, eh, that which lay on you and me, the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Now, how does Jesus become a curse for us? How does God curse His only begotten Son? Well, in this means, as which they would have understood from the times of Moses, for it is written, referring to Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And there we have our Lord having to therefore be brought under the sentencing of Pontius Pilate to that accursed cross on Golgotha. We say, is this what it really takes for you and me to become righteous and to be able to enter into heavenly glory? Couldn't it have been done in any way a little bit easier or nicer? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nothing less could have done it. For this is what the scriptures teach. And the scriptures teach this because Jesus had to suffer the death of crucifixion because thereby he bore the curse of God that was first on us. Congregation, it helps us to understand, I hope, how horribly great our sin is. It helps us to to, to understand how terribly wicked our sin really is before the face of a holy God. That it had to go, had to be relieved in this way only. Again, as we could not fathom and understand so much of the glorious picture of heaven, how do we understand the infinite wrath of God? How can we get a, a handle on that and say, yeah, I, I really understand and feel and know what you're talking about. Again, we're left with words that describe divine realities, the very mind of God, to, to bring about our salvation in this cursed way of a crucifixion. Cursed is anyone who hangs on the cross Moses had written for well, congregation here we see the dearly loved perfect holy man of Nazareth the one you meet on the opening pages of the scripture in such a nice way there we meet Jesus the perfection of love and of kindness and of mercy and of gentleness there we meet the son of God he called himself also the son of man there we meet the one who was crucified for you and me there we meet him who was cursed for you and me so that by his suffering and now we switch but so that by his suffering something would happen, bringing us back to the last part of question 37, so that by His suffering, the only atoning sacrifice, He has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us, He has gotten something for us, even the grace of God, of righteousness and eternal life. That is what Jesus came through for us for to deliver us from. He said at one point to his disciples, we must go to Jerusalem. The the cross is ever before me. We must go there. And it was so that he could bring something brand new and wonderful for us. God's grace and righteousness eternal life and so secondly congregation we note the beneficial effect of the suffering and the end product comes down to this we deserve eternal death we get eternal life talk about getting something good we are full of sin and guilt and we obtain grace from God the thing which would we have least expected we deserve condemnation we get righteousness instead imputed to us we were cursed but we get blessed we deserve death we get life the beneficial effect of the suffering death of our Lord Jesus Christ catechism answers is obtaining for us the grace of God and righteousness and eternal life. That's what the Apostle Paul goes on at length to teach us about in Romans chapter 3 speaking about something in effect that appears on the scene as it were brand new on the pages of scripture these words that he is writing in verse 21 of chapter 3 but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed it's like it becomes front and center now in the life of God's people something that in a sense heretofore was not here now it is a revelation this is revealed to us this righteousness of God apart from the law being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. And there we see it's certainly not my righteousness congregation that does it for me, but God's righteousness. And in fact, something very specific it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We might ask, where in the world did Jesus get his righteousness from in order to give it to somebody else? Well, it was by his perfect life that he lived. And was by what He fulfilled in His passion as He went to the cross in full and perfect obedience to His Son to lay Himself down as the one whom His Father would curse. Bearing our curse, stand in our place. That He would have a righteousness to offer to us, to you and me, through faith. Through faith. Verse 22 says, even the righteousness of God through faith In Jesus, to all and on all who believe. And so it's not your righteousness that you have anything to cheer about, but what Jesus suffered for you to give you his righteousness. It was God's only way that he could possibly declare you and me righteous. And what does it mean to be declared righteous children? It means to be declared not guilty but, what's the word? Innocent of all sin, of all crime. Innocent of every sour and bad attitude you have ever had, Innocent of every filthy swear word you've ever said all your life. Innocent of all the lies you've spoken in a lifetime of speaking lies. Innocent of all the lack of love you show to God through the course of your life when you should have had a greater love for your Lord. And we can add and add and add and add to that list forever. Whereupon God says, you are not guilty but innocent of all sin. Now that is righteousness. And such was the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived that perfect life. At the beginning of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, our Father in heaven said, This is my well-beloved Son with him. I'm well pleased. Why was God so well pleased with Jesus before his ministry even began? When he was baptized, well, he had lived a perfect life. And at the end of his ministry at the Mount of Transfiguration was the same thing. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. He could be the one to give us his righteousness, but it was through the suffering of the cross that we might be declared by God forgiven of all our sins, all of it removed away and us receiving thus the beneficial effects of Christ's suffering that he obtained for us. Even the grace of God, we read, in question 15, question 37, and righteousness and eternal life. Oh, well, what does it look like again on the one hand, congregation? Well, Paul says, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is you and me. What does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? Well, every day we are to glorify God with perfection, with perfect hearts of love and devotion and attention and time and prayer and obedience to His holy will. That's what the glory of God looks like. Paul says we all have fallen short where we're way, way, way below perfection. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We have our shortcomings. (laughs) Understand the word now and yet Paul says that on the one hand but in the same breath he says being justified freely by his grace how through the redemption where that is in Christ Jesus through the redemption that is in Christ the word justify means to legally be declared righteous by God we often experience that same thing in our own ordinary human life We have uh, been charged with doing something wrong, but we've proved to the teacher or to her father and mother that we indeed were right, and it was the other person who did the wrong, and then we are justified. We did not do that thing that which was wrong. Well, on on this grand spiritual scale, it means God declaring us righteous and innocent and not guilty. And this justification is without any effort of our own part. It was without any cost to us. But the Catechism says it was freely given. Sorry, the, the God's Word says it was freely given. Freely given by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It means, congregation, we are no longer worthy of of death. We can't say, oh my, well, I guess I passed the test. No, not at all, but Jesus Christ perfectly endured the curse of God. He, he passed the test, and for us it was accomplished. No longer worthy of eternal death, but eternal life. No longer dead in a sin, but alive to Christ no longer merely being in Adam, but now in Christ, and he obtaining for me righteousness, eternal life on account of the grace of God. And so our prospect now, congregation through faith in our Lord Jesus, is no longer the grave forever. Can you imagine that? No longer the grave forever a resurrection through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Our prospect is no longer hell eternally, but heaven forever with Christ and a life with God in blessed fellowship forever with inconceivable glory on the new earth and with all the saints. Yes, all who have longed for His appearing. How much do we long for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ who was cursed for you and me and went through that wrath of God and came out though he first suffered death. But do you long for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ is being justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus more important to you than anything else? You know, there's a lot of important things in life we have to do. There's many things that we value very, very highly. And that's okay. But is being justified through the redemption of Jesus Christ more important to you than anything else. Anything else. It has got to be. And so, brothers and sisters, to sum up, we are encouraged by these words in the Catechism and in the Scriptures to keep on believing in the suffering death of our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep on believing and knowing and experiencing the righteousness we have in Him alone. And then to keep on believing what He has gained for us, even eternal life. Sometimes it seems like eternal life is a long, long ways away. And yet already now we have that eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. May that be that thing that is of such precious value, that priceless reality God has gained for us. And so please, keep on repenting of all your sins. Hide nothing from the Lord. Confess your sins to God and to each other as is necessary, and keep on receiving from our Lord Jesus, then all the benefits, the benefits of such a Savior. There's no other like Him, for He suffered the wrath of God for you and for me. Amen.